message is part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Testing, yes, sir. Okay, I'm good. Good morning. I'll welcome you as well. Thank you for being here this morning. Give me a chance to key this up here a little bit, and I'll be ready to rock and roll. Time. Not the, not the focus of what I want to give to you this morning, but uh, just a little teaser for you. I know a lot of you have this kind of media. I do as well. Even as old as I am, I have it. I can't flip it up right the right corner, right direction here, but... There was one little instance on here, if I can find it. It didn't stay put. Does your book, does yours do the same thing? Mm-hmm. Anyway, it really put time in perspective for me. And I thought I had it locked in here where it would stay, but it didn't. Getting close, I think. Wouldn't you know? Ah. Here it comes. Time. Think about this if you would. There's some, here's some facts. Cleopatra lived closer to the building of the Pizza Hut than the pyramids in time perspective. Okay? Two. Every two minutes we take as many photos as all of humanity took during the 1800s. How about that? Oxford University is older than the Aztecs. But you didn't think about that, huh? <laughs> Will Smith is now older than the character who, Phil, who played his Phil, Uncle Phil. Yeah, yeah. How about that one? Mm-hmm. In a span of 66 years, we went from taking flight to landing on the moon. Some of you have lived 66 years already or more. I can remember some of that. Not the first flight part. <laughs> There's more processing power in the TI-83 calculator than in the computer that landed Apollo 11 on the moon. Hmm. The oldest living person's birth is closer to the signing of the Constitution than the present day. How about this one? John Tyler, our 10th president, has two living grandchildren. Your 10th president. Where are we at now? Almost 50? Well, I don't know what Obama is, 40-something, 9th, 50th, I don't know, somewhere in there. don't really matter. <laughs> the first pyramids were built while the woolly mammoth was still alive. And we think of him as a dinosaur, right? The fax machine was invented the same year people were traveling the Oregon Trail. I don't know how he got that. Hey, you'll like this one. France was still executing people using the guillotine. And guess what year? The same year Star Wars came out, 1977. 
<laughs> Everybody will take a, get a kick out of this. Betty White is actually older than sliced bread. <laughs> Truly, okay? Well, I won't read you this one because you've got to see it. It's got a little video. It says this is what difference there is in Olympic gold looks like in 56 year, years later the woman's vault. The vault today off the, the horse, as you may know what that is, looks like it's about three times higher than what the vault was back then. That's a radio ad. Well, anyway, you can kind of get the picture anywhere. Time's not very kind, is it? Time's not very kind. Uh, I'd like to say, and I've got a live group meeting that meets on Sunday morning, and uh, several of you are here this morning. If you are, would you just stand up briefly? Just just ever so briefly, would be fine. Oh, come on, Sandy. Oh, you'll feel like, okay, you see, that's fine. Thank you, thank you. I want to say to you, uh, all of you, you're, you're the inspiration for this this morning. Because of you, you know, it's, that's why I'm here. Uh, I enjoy that class ever so much and take great joy in that. Hmm? You need that flash drive? Good, good thing I give you some time, wasn't it? <laughs> good thing I give you some time. Uh, one interesting thing, you know, about time is that we just have so much of it, and it's very limited, and it's very precious for each of us. And as you can see from the little example I give you, uh, you can kind of get in perspective that we don't have a lot. And time is fleeting. And every day it goes by, I think, you know, Christ is that much closer to being with us again in person. And, uh, and it says even more that we need to hurry up in our process of what we are to be about, which is his gospel. And this morning I'm looking at, looking, we're going to be looking at Romans this morning. He did get the whole thing up there. Good. Uh, we'll look at Romans this morning. There's so much stuff I can't do. There's so much stuff I can't do. I don't know about you, but I, I, I think you probably feel the same thing. And, and in my Christian life, there's so much stuff I, I can't do in that either. And I think I found, when we're going to be looking at Romans, I find Paul in the same predicament. That Paul has a few answers for us, and I'd like for us to discover some of those answers this morning. Uh, let's just take a little moment and, and go to pray, into prayer and uh, prepare our hearts this morning for hopefully what the Holy Spirit has to give us this morning. Well, Father, this morning I'm just, uh, I'm privileged to be here this morning, Lord, in, in this place, Lord. Uh, my credentials aren't much, but uh, I'm going to rely upon you and your spirit this morning to touch hearts this morning through what you would have to come forth. Lord, bless the reading of your word as it is true. Bless each heart here that they might receive the truth and take that truth to their heart, make it a part of them. Or may that truth grow in each heart, in each heart that we come in contact with. In Jesus' name, amen. Just like to get things in perspective. This morning it's going to be a lot about His Spirit and where we're at. Uh, three areas I'm going to cover this morning, as you can see up there. There's a, we studied this back in our life group, so life group, I will apologize. This is somewhat of a rerun, but it's going to kind of be a, hopefully a summary for everybody. And redundancy is good for us. Human nature just needs it. <laughs> I need it. You need it. We're going to look at what a, a problem that you can't solve yourself. A gift I can't give myself. And life I can't live on my own. Now, I think all of us are trying to do these things much. Today, we try to do everything we can on our own. That's me. 
at you. Okay. Uh, moving along here. I just started thinking of a few things I can't do. How about you? You ever think of things you can't do? Just, just get your mind in that mode. Get your mind in the mode of what you can't do. I can't preach. Okay? I admit it. I admit it. Thank you. We're in, we're in agreement. I can't fly. I have no wings. I have no feathers. Like a bird. I can't even jump up and touch a basketball rim. Never could in my youth. Okay? Unless I jumped off of something. It's 10 foot high and I can't reach 10 foot. I can't live underwater or in outer space. Don't have the ability. I can't do algebra. Most people can. I can't. I can't live forever. I can't speak a foreign language. I can't fly an airplane. Or how about I even live my Christian life? Dead silence. I expect that. Okay. Dead silence. So this is a this is a problem you have in uh, preaching. You don't have any feedback. That's why I love teaching, okay? That's why I'm not a preacher. I thrive on your feedback. I find the help I need in Romans. In Romans 1, 16 through 17, and then chapter 2, and we're going to be bouncing through this. I find Paul is much like me. Paul, I, I see as a scholar. I think this guy is super bright. When it comes to God, I, don't, I don't know how you feel about him. But he's also human, much like me. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because of the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, righteous will live by faith. Righteous will live by faith. Paul has established something new for everybody at this point in time. He's established that there is something new, a righteousness, that hasn't been attainable in the past. And that's only because of what Jesus has done for me and you. I find this to be very comforting. How about you guys? I want to elaborate on that a whole lot. He continues on in Romans 1, 16 through 17. By the way, if you can't preach, you read God's Word. <laughs> That's how you get out of preaching. You let the Word do it. He says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because of its power that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew and the Gentile. And I just read that. So, expect crazy things to happen. And what was our first premise? I can't solve it myself. What's the problem here? I'm not righteous. What is righteousness? What do you call righteousness? It's a word you very rarely hear in a common conversation, isn't it? Righteousness is the fact that you are right with God in a right relationship. The problem is, I'm not with Christ. I'm not with Christ. With Christ, I am righteous. Without Christ, you are not righteous. Black and white. Okay? So the problem is, i got to become righteous. 
That's the problem. Without righteousness, I do not have eternal life. With righteousness, I have eternal life. The problem is, I can't get it. How do you get it? I can't get it by being good enough. Can I? Can you get it by being good enough? The Bible says none are righteous. No, not one. It's by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ who paid the price for my sins because that's what made me unrighteous, is sin. I am no longer, I have never been righteous until what time I received Jesus Christ. I received Jesus Christ, I am now righteous through him. I now have a problem fixed, okay? Fix your problem this morning. Become righteous in Jesus Christ. He established that new thing for us through Jesus Christ. I love the way Paul gives that to us. But there's still a problem, isn't there? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself. This is describing our, our, our condition without Christ. For the day of God's wrath, when his righteousness judgment will be revealed, God will repay each person according to what they have done to those who have been in persistence in doing good glory, honor, and mortality. He will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, but glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. He does not show favoritism. Thanks be to God he sent Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, we had no chance. Again, he's showing to us the unrepentant heart and what is coming and in store for that person. So what's the problem? I am. And, and who am I? What is your identity this morning? Do you have an identity? You do. God sees you in a certain way. He sees you through Jesus Christ's eyes, looking through him, looking at you, or he sees you as you are. Which problem, which side of this problem do you fall upon? That's the question. Which side of the problem do you fall upon? Is God mad at you? No. Only your unrepentant sin. There is a problem for the wicked. And peace for those who do good. Paul continues on in Romans 3, 9-12. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all, for we've already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. It is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Another problem. What was the problem we were looking at? Sometimes I've got to relook myself. 
I need to receive a fix. I need to receive a gift. I need to take on this righteousness of Jesus Christ. I need the problem. I need the fix. I need to get in the shop, get my car fixed, get my radiator plugged, whatever. I've got to get it done. This problem's not going to go away. This unrighteousness that's in me. Only can Jesus Christ fix that unrighteousness. Master mechanic, if you would. I don't know where the illustration came from. It came off the top of my head. Okay, It is not written down here. There's a problem. You've got to fix it. You can't do it yourself. God's got to do it. How would you go about fixing it yourself? What well, is a common way of fixing our problems? We think we can do good things and get to heaven. Good works. Let's put a little money here. Let's put a little money there. Let's uh, go down and uh, put a little time in the soup kitchen. That should make up the difference, shouldn't it? Uh-uh. None of us are righteous. None of us not one. None of us are good enough. But we're, we have to rely upon Jesus Christ to do that for us. He's the fixer of the problem. The problem is sin. That's what we got to go to the mechanic for. It separates us from God. We're under its sin's power and need relieved relieve from its power. We had a very interesting study. I'm going to run off on a rabbit trail for just a second. With uh, Annabelle and Bill. And uh, Annabelle and Bill taught us something about sin. Taught me something about sin. And receiving Jesus Christ in my heart and what happens to sin. The interesting thing that I learned about that, and uh, this is why life groups are important. This is why reading God's Word and saying God's Word is important so you can come into that understanding of God's Word. If you're not involved in that, uh, you're missing out. And this time factor is still rolling on, and you're still missing out. And everybody else is missing out. But I learned something about sin. I have it in me. I'll always have it in me. There's no longer sin that rules over me. It's something that just lives in me. It's now something that does not rule over me. For I now have a new spirit, Paul says. And it's the spirit of the Holy Spirit who takes over. I now live according to the spirit, which is God's word. I no longer live according to the flesh, which is my mortal body and the sin that's within me. That sin now is something that does not rule over me, but I prefer the other. We're going to see here Paul illustrating that here very quickly. Uh, righteousness, again, we've we got to get in right standing with God. And God's standard, which is holy and blameless, a standard which I cannot be on my own. Something God's got to give to me. Again, not on my own. I can't do it. I can't do it. We've got to recognize we all fall short. We've got to own up to our behavior and get honest with God. We've got to get right with God. I've got to establish in my heart, I need him. I need him to do the work in my life that needs to happen. I need to determine to live by God's standard and not on my own. That's what I've got to get done. That's what I've got to get done. I've got to let God do this work in me. Romans 
But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ himself. In the Old Testament, the law convicted them of their sins. And they lived obedient by faith. In the New Testament today, which we live in, in the New Covenant, we now live in faith that Jesus Christ has done something for us. He's given us a free gift, a free gift of grace. Except his sacrifice on the cross and what he's done for us to bring us back into that right relationship with Jesus Christ. We're living in that day and age now. It's a day of grace, we call it. Let me move forward. This thing's jumping on me. You ever lose your mouth? You ever lose your mouth? Let's look at Romans 3.22. You've already got it. I didn't have it. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. What do we have to do? We have to have faith in Jesus Christ. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. It doesn't matter who you are. We're all of sin. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So we can all be justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. This was acceptable to God. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. In other words, I deserved punishment before from what I did. Be left it unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus Christ. The problem with all short, the answer, Jesus makes up the difference. Accepting the message of grace, the gift of God, in doing that, we become righteous. Problem fixed. God has shown mercy on us that we might have opportunity to receive Jesus as our way back to the Father. He has left our sin unpunished until what time we choose Jesus or reject him. And moving on to Romans 3, 27-28, Paul goes on and he says, there was a problem in his day. Sometimes it's a problem in our day. He says, when then is boasting, it is excluded because of what law? The law that requires works? No. Because of the law that requires faith. Paul, again, is grounding himself and saying, you know, it's not your works. You can't be. The good things you do, it's not what's going to save you. That was a problem in his day. They thought their works would save them. No, because of the law that requires faith. You've got to believe, folks. You've got to believe. But we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. You are now justified by believing. You're no longer justified by your works. Believing. Believing puts you in that right relationship with Jesus Christ. In Paul's day, it wasn't uncommon for a religious leader to boast of their good works. 
they'd stand on the street corner and tell everybody. Wouldn't they? <laughs> it's kind of silly now you think about it. It did them no good. Paul gives an analogy that there is no reason for this, as it has no redeeming ability in and of itself. Now the law of faith is the only redeeming way to go. Of the gospel we can boast of its redeeming ability. That's what you can boast of. People need to know about God's redeeming ability. And let's just think about it. Let's, we need to receive the gift Jesus offers, don't we? You need to put our pride aside and have to give your life over to God's standard of living. We need to realize you're justified by your faith and no longer bound to a past sin. That's a gift worth boasting about. I want to move on to this life we've got to live, this Christian life. How are you living it? How are you, how are you stacking up, guys? How's it working? Are you struggling? What's a fight? It's a life. I absolutely cannot do it. Not come to that conclusion, okay? At least on my own. At least on my own. Just listen to what, what Paul has to say in Romans 7. I, I think he, uh, to me, he has the heart of everybody and understands it and, and, and puts it in words. Uh, kind of interrupt, go off a little rabbit trail again here. There's a deacon I served with in Texas one time. Y'all going to be with the Lord now, I believe. And uh, you say Paul's nuts. <laughs> you say Paul's nuts. I, just, I thought that was kind of strange. But uh, just the way Paul would put his analogies together, he couldn't follow them very well. <laughs> he would call Paul nuts. So if you, you get a little tongue twisted or you get your mind a little twisted up with some of Paul's writing, it's, it's, it's interesting just to slow down and go back and think about it a little more. And as you do that, you'll come into understanding with Paul. I think I understand what he's trying to say. But Paul's not nuts, in my opinion. Uh, Paul tells us a lot of things we need to hear. Verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Soul is a slave to sin. He, he's bound to sin without the spiritual law, the new spiritual law, the new covenant. I do not understand what I do. This is where you get tongue-tied, guys. This is like Dr. Seuss to me. Anybody have trouble reading Dr. Seuss? I know you can't read it fast. You've got to read it slow. So you've kind of got to do the same thing here. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. Lots of do's. But what I hate to do. And if I do what I do, not want to do, okay, you get tongue-tied yet? I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me, Paul and Annabelle, or Bill and Annabelle. Okay, we had that study. Some of you guys remember that. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I had the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Problem? Yeah. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it. Here's the key. But it is sin living in me that does it. 
So I find this law at work. He's talking of a law that's important to him. Although I want to be, do good, evil is right there with me. The law is he wants to do good. He has a new spiritual law in his life with Jesus Christ. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. He wants to do that. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Sin's still working in him. He's struggling and fighting against this. Anybody got that experience? Anybody fighting that battle? Every day of my life, I fight this battle. Every day, Paul fought this battle. And he will continue to fight this battle. It's an inward fight we've got to fight day in and day out. He is fighting to be what? Holy. What God wants him to be. Fighting to be righteous. The revelation here is not Paul's nature in Christ to sin under the law of the Spirit, but the sin that resides within him. But now the law of sin is not what rules in Paul's life, but something he continues to struggle with. The rule is, he is God's child. He has that new desire in his heart to live as Christ is having to live, be obedient to God's word. And he continues on in verse eight, or chapter 8 and 8 through 13 to explain this somewhat. He says, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You know, the realm of our physical body. Without Christ, that's all we have, right? You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh anymore. You have Christ. But you are in the realm of the Spirit. That's what he's calling Christ. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So they're still in the flesh. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit lives, gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, who's he talking to? Christians and believers. We have an obligation that is not to the flesh. We have to live as we want, not as our body craves and wants to do. To live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Okay? Misdeeds of the body. What are the misdeeds of the body? Well, it's these ungodly things that we get tied up into. Isn't it? I won't go into detail because it's just... You can imagine the detail. We see it every day on the news. And we, we play with ever so little things too, just as well. Paul is speaking of our physical state and our spiritual state. The physical state is bound to sin. And his spiritual state is bound to Christ and an eternal life, therefore. To live life according to our physical desires is spiritual death. To live life according to our new spirit is life forever. For this reason, we should put away our physical cravings for sin and hold to the spirit's desires for a godly life. Just hang on to it, guys. We're in a race. Time is running out. In 
14 through 17 in the same chapter 8. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, your Spirit received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. If need, we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Is it worth it? Hmm. Paul now states that the relationship we now have doesn't he? We're no longer foreigners or enemies of God, but we are his children. Heirs seen as through as though we are Jesus' likeness and the same. Just as a child deserves to be to please a parent, we ought to have a desire to please God and live a godly life that would please him. Any sufferings we share for God's glory will not go unnoticed. They'll not go unnoticed. There's a reward for us. Let's win this battle. Okay? Let's choose to treat someone well and walk away from temptation. Let's repent. Let's talk with God. Let's get let's confess our sin with him. Let's close the door on temptation. These are things we can do. Let's acknowledge you are powerless and need of strength. We need God's Holy Spirit to live within us and to give us strength. Let's ask the Holy Spirit for guidance. Let's allow the Spirit opportunity and a lot of time to and it's a lot of time to change and carry us through our lives. How many of you are not giving him the time he needs? Me included. Me included. I hope this morning this uh, gives you a chance to uh, think about what you can and can't do. The Holy Spirit is ready to play an important part in your role in your life. You need to allow that to happen in your life this morning. If you don't have Jesus Christ in your life this morning, it's time to receive him by faith this morning. Know who Jesus Christ is. Receive him as your personal Savior. Repent of your sins. And live a godly life, a righteous life. Become a son and daughter of the one true king. The one true king this morning. Ricky, you want to make your way this way? Uh, Let's go to Father in prayer this morning. Father, I want to thank you this morning for uh, allowing this time and this privilege. Lord, I pray that the words given was received well this morning. I pray by faith, Lord, this morning and through your spirit that lives have been touched. We'll have time to reflect upon what we need to do in our lives this morning. Lord, continue to bless this time and uh, may... Uh, what time remaining uh, make that impact on the heart this morning of what we need to do in our lives. We need to let the Holy Spirit guide and direct us. We need to let the Holy Spirit teach us. We need to let the Holy Spirit lead us. We need to let you to be a major part of our life. Lord, that's uh, one thing that uh, I believe this church is about, that we might be able to have a chance to have the Holy Spirit corporately come together with us that we might have a chance to have that Holy Spirit change us, that we might have a chance that the Holy Spirit would teach us, make us who you'd have us to be. Lord, I'm still perplexed at uh, how much time it's taken to get to the point I am at this point in time in my own life. I hope everybody else is finding that same perplexion. 
that they can need to take more time to allow that spirit in their lives. Give them more time to hurry up the clock, Lord, it's running out. Time's running out. Lord, that Holy Spirit, there's a heart this morning that needs a personal touch, Lord, with Jesus Christ this morning. Lord, that, that heart is running out of time as well. Lord, we can't do this on our own. Thank God you are there to do it for us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.